Welcome everybody to the first episode of Dream Chasers Dream Chasers podcast. I'm your host Connor, um, and today we have a very special guest. We have Katie, aka the spiritual biologist. Yay. Hi, Katie. Thanks Hi. for being here today. <laughs> um, and so, for those of you who don't, or the listeners who don't really know you, um, can you just kind of give uh, a brief overview of who you are, like your background, and everything like that? Sure. So I have a degree in biology and I've always been interested in nature and animals and wildlife. And so I just went and got a degree in biology, hoping that would put me through what I wanted to to do as far as career. And then I've also have been diving into all the spiritual stuff. And so that's kind of how I came up with the term spiritual biologist that I, I like to go by. Where did you uh, go to school and get your degree from? So I, I went to the University of Arkansas in Fort Smith. And I, I went because I've always had the love for nature. And so I was like, well, I'll just get a degree in biology because it's such a broad um, degree that I could go any direction that I wanted to. And, and then originally, like, I also wanted to be maybe a veterinarian because I loved animals so much. I was like, oh, well, they get to work with animals all the time. And so, um, when I turned 18, I actually got a job working as a vet in a vet clinic for a little while, just to get my foot in the door and get the feel for it. And, quickly realized that uh, I don't think the medical field is for me because, you know, they, they see the pets that come in and then they give them a shot or they give them the medication and then they're out the door. And I was wanting something more meaningful and to have a, a deeper connection with, with that than what a veterinarian clinic kind of offers. And so, um, so then that, I guess that's how I chose biology. And it wasn't until I got up into my upper curricular courses, learning ecology and wildlife biology, wildlife conservation, stuff like that. And I was like, oh, this is what I wanna do. This is exciting, this is cool. And so then straight out of college, my first summer internship, I got, a, um, I got into a, an internship working with avian research so that's birds looking at uh, up in montana and up there in the, in the in the dakotas they're doing a lot of bison rehabilitation restoration there's bison branches and so they're they were looking at the effects that bison have on the prairie birds the species of birds up there and so i was one of the students that got to go and collect all the data do bird watching and <laughs> all of that and then that internship jump-started my career into just environmental research, really, and collecting data, doing environmental work. Um, I landed a job after that working in watershed management, and in that, I got to deal with fisheries and herpetology, which is amphibians and reptiles and macroinvertebrates, and so... Um, I had that job for about five years, and now I'm currently working as a forestry technician in surrounding national forests, doing the same thing, collecting a bunch of data, taking a bunch of surveys uh, in, in the national forests, seeing what's out there, and getting it ready for harvesting. 
So like where all of our paper products come from when the loggers come and then the forests, uh, I'm one of the ones that get to go out there and say which trees they're allowed to have and all that stuff. And um, I saw on your Instagram that you're a professional tree hugger because yes. <laughs> that's part of your job is to uh, measure the uh, like the size of the tree trunks. Yeah, exactly. So um, and one of the measurements that I take is doing a diameter reading. So you have a very specific type of tape, measuring tape that you wrap around the tree. And some of these trees are really large. And so I literally have to wrap my arms around the trees. And so I get to hug it as I'm working. And so that's, that, I just do that for fun. Say I'm a professional tree hugger. <laughs> get that's awesome. Hug <laughs> it's a great gig. <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually studying environmental studies right now in college. So it's kind of similar to um, biology in a way, just like, because I've always been interested in nature and the environment. So kind of mm -hmm. decided to go down that route. Um, but yeah, so how did you, um, what was like your, because you said you've always been interested in science and everything. That was the same with me. Um, how did you go from that to kind of finding like, the intersection between science and spirituality in a way that you kind of um, like explore, at least, do you only have um, Instagram? I have a Facebook page too that I just started. It's called The Alchemy of Science and Spirituality. And I'm currently working on a website that I plan to launch June 10th. That's also gonna be called Alchemy of Science and Spirituality. And then I'm also in the works of doing a YouTube channel. Nice. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to be on several different platforms once I get going. But Instagram is my first one that I've I've started to at least try to put content out there. Gotcha. Okay. I'll link I'll link all those below for okay. anyone who wants to uh, check your stuff out. But like I was saying, how did you kind of get into uh, finding the gap or the intersection between science and spirituality? So. Um, like I said, I've always been interested in, in the sciences and have kind of had that logical way of thinking. <laughs> but I also grew up in Christianity. So I was going to church several times a week. And that that is where the spiritual side, I guess, comes from. However, I for most of my life, I kind of struggled with, with going to church and the religious aspect. And it wasn't until I was probably 12 or 13 where I just really started to question things. It, I just really felt like I didn't fit in with that kind of community and just started diving into it, trying to figure out why I wasn't resonating with it. Maybe there's something wrong with me. What's wrong with me that I don't feel like this, this, that I fit in. And so and at the same time, I kind of felt like I was, I was still forced because you're young, you know, you, you go with your family and everything. I didn't really have a choice, but then I got my driver's license at 16 and thought, well, maybe it's just this church. Maybe if I try this other church across the street or on the other side of town, maybe I will fit in there. Maybe they teach something a little bit different that I don't know, or that resonates with me. And so I did what I call church hopping for several years, trying to just figure out where I fit in and figuring out the whole spirituality 
aside. And I, I eventually just kind of gave up after several years and of questioning and realizing that there's so many different denominations just within Christianity. Like there, I want to say there's 60,000 different types of denominations just within Christianity. And I was like, how, how am I supposed to go through 60,000 of these and figure out which, which is right for me that I, I have a place to be. Um, I felt just lost. And so, and, and also like, they can't all be true, right? Like, why is there so many different ones? They can't all be true. So what is true? How am I supposed to figure out what is true? And I eventually just kind of gave up on church, stopped going and started looking to, into other different types of religions and different belief systems. And I, I eventually got so overwhelmed <laughs> that I was like, you know what? I can't do this. I, I don't think religion is for me. And if anything, I can just go and pick and choose from all of these different sections and put them together and come up with my own religion if I wanted to, whatever works for me. And so it's kind of the mentality I had is like, well, I'm just going to do me. I'm just going to do what I think is right. And I have my own set of values that I know to be true, that I feel are true. Um, but I just couldn't bring myself to be fully committed to any one of these belief systems. And so I more or less, I guess, became agnostic. So I was like, well, maybe there's a God, maybe there's not, I don't know. But <laughs> um, so that went on for a few years. And then I met and married a Jewish man. And so he started teaching me the ins and the outs of Judaism, and what they believe scripture to say and what it teaches. And that shifted my perspective and brought a new light onto the Bible. And I was like, well, this makes sense. This makes a lot more sense than Christianity. So maybe I'm Jewish. Maybe I'll just be Jewish. <laughs> and so I, I gave that a shot for a few years, um, learned all, all of the traditions, the festivals, Hebrew words, what, what they teach scripture to say. And then as, as the relationship went on with, with both sides, with the, with the man I married and then with Judaism, um, the, the man actually turned out to be very controlling and emotionally abusive, narcissistic. And so I, I had to dissolve that relationship. And then in the midst of that, I, I also dissolved the relationship with Judaism because the people in that community I, f I found to be no different than the ones in the Christian community. And so I just, I kind of stepped away from all of that. And I was like, this, this isn't the way that I want to live my life. And it felt very dogmatic and rigid and rule oriented. And, you know, there's just all of these things that you had to follow. And I felt guilty if I didn't follow them, or I felt guilty if I did th these certain things that I wasn't supposed to do. And I was just like, this isn't how I want to live my life. And so after stepping away from that, I felt so much more free and just like I, I could be myself more fully. And so then I felt like I was back to square one <laughs> again of, okay, what do I believe in? What is true? 
and again, just trying to figure it out. And I knew growing up in the science realm that that was that wasn't all there was to it. That there was still more. There was still something more than what is physical. This more than human life, I guess you could say. I just didn't know what it was. And I felt like something was missing, which is why I kept looking into all of these different spiritual belief outlets, trying to find the answers. And then this past summer, um, I got I got sick. I like out of nowhere. I didn't know what it was. It what didn't feel like the cold or flu. It was just extreme fatigue, headaches, um, muscle aches, and um my sister and I are really close. And so I'm telling her these symptoms and how I'm feeling. I'm like, I don't know what I have. I just feel like crap. She's like, I think maybe you're going through a spiritual awakening or spiritual ascension. I was like, what? I I don't know what that means. I don't know what that is. (laughs) And so she sends me this link of the symptoms that you have during your spiritual awakening. And I had probably 90% of these symptoms. I was like, huh? Okay. What is spiritual awakening? What is spiritual ascension? <laughs> so I just went down the rabbit hole of that because I had never heard of this term before. And I was like, okay, well, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, I'm spiritual. I can be spiritual, but I don't have to be religious. And so um, then I, in the midst of all of this, I mean, I did all this. Re- I, I'm a, an investigator. I don't know if you or anybody listening knows about human design or what human design is. Um, no, not really. Part it's it's part of my design as in this body, this physical body, is to be an investigator, is to be a researcher, which is why I'm naturally drawn to the sciences and my fields of research. And so, anytime I get interested in something or sparks my my interest and my attention, I just dive deep into the research of it and I look it up and I don't stop until I get a satisfying answer. And so in this research of what is spiritual awakening, uh, I was reading an article and in this article, they, they use the word spiritual science. And I stopped right there and I was like, this is a thing, spiritual science. Like this is kind of what I've been feeling this whole time is science and spirituality. So I stopped right there. I didn't even finish the article. I just Google searched spiritual science. What is spiritual science? (laughs) And the one thing that kept popping up was this book by Steve Taylor called Spiritual Science and why science needs spirituality to make sense of the world. I was like, oh, add a cart. I'm buying this right now. (laughs) Got a handy dandy Amazon. (laughs) And so, um, Yes. And then in that, I came up with several other books that I found relating to merging science and spirituality. So on the back of the book, the description is Steve Taylor offers a new vision of the world that is compatible with both modern science and ancient spiritual teachings. Spiritual science reveals Taylor's panspiritist view of reality, one that transcends both conventional science and religion and answers many of the riddles that neither can fully explain. I was like, oh, that's my answer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, in the midst of that, uh, he's the one that really 
jump-started this whole investigation and inspiring work on bridging science and spirituality, something that I had always kind of known and had been seeking, but didn't know that it was even a thing and that somebody else had clearly thought of it and wrote a whole book on it. And so, yeah, does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, that was good. That's um, that definitely like, I feel like for everybody's really taught or at least like church and religion in general, like kind of teaches how science and the more spiritual sides of things are kind of like mutually exclusive, but that's not really the case. Like I kind of went through, um, I guess a bit of a similar thing to you. Like I was born um, and raised by like going to a Lutheran church. And like, I just didn't, like when you're growing up and you're young, you don't really know anybody. You're just like, okay, we're going to church. I'll like, I can't do anything else. I'm going. And so like, until you get to a certain age and start actually kind of forming your own beliefs and opinions and like having this, seeing different things from different sides of perspectives and whatnot, like you can't really explore everything else that's out there. Like also what you were saying about, there's like, just maybe 60,000 uh, Christian den- Christian denominations like itself, plus like all the other religions, like how can there be so many different religions and like explore everything, but you're just kind of confined to one that you're born into, like raised mm-hmm. by it. And like, you definitely, like, it's definitely like a more, um, it's like a journey of yourself kind of explain what, kind of like what you did taking pieces of, different ones because like we all have I think we all have like values and morals that maybe come from like the religion we grew up with but then obviously I don't think religion is uh like forms or like shapes your morals that you have today it's kind of like experience in different aspects of like what you do with your life and so that's yeah it's definitely a really interesting um topic and I'll definitely have to read uh, the the book that you just showed because um, that sounds really interesting. But yeah, yeah I, I was um, always like kind of the one, uh, maybe what what uh, human design did you say? Investigator? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm an investigator. I, I feel like I'm kind of along those lines because I just have always been the type of person to um, like, want to know how everything works and that's kind of why I was drawn so much to science like I took uh physics in high school and I was just like this is this is awesome like I always knew gravity existed and I always knew like these things moved and so it's kind of cool to see how they actually like the I don't know the design behind and how it actually happens and stuff um but then I also kind of went through a I want to say it was like I didn't have like any symptoms like you did like I I I feel like my spiritual awakening quote was more like a collection of different events or or things that I saw throughout my life like last year especially was um kind of the the definitive point for me (laughs) but like even before that I was kind of taking pieces of information from different things being like oh, this is, uh, like, why does that happen? This doesn't really make sense. Uh, kind of going through that. And then, yeah, I guess now I'm here. <laughs> but, 
yeah, it's um, it is definitely an interesting uh, like intersection because, like I was saying, you don't really you're not really taught that science and the more spiritual side of things can go hand in hand, like evolution, for example, like the Catholic Church or I don't know how many other religions, but a lot of times they don't believe in evolution because it's science and religion and that's it like but mm-hmm. that's not the case so mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah it's like you're, you're, you're only given two options to believe in the rational scientific side or it's irrational and religion like those are the two options you're given and you have to pick which box to put yourself in when really there's a merging of the two and it was the same thing with me you know like going to church and in, in college learning about evolution and realizing most people in the science community are atheists. They believe in evolution. And here I'm taught to believe in the creationist theory. And I'm like, okay, well, how, which one's true then? You know, mm. school's teaching me about evolution. Is evolution true? Is Christianity true? Like, or creation true? And so, yeah, it's just this constant battle between the two and I just, I, I, I could see both sides and could kind of see how the two would go together and didn't really understand why they needed to be separated. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I definitely agree because like there's so many different aspects of let's say religion, science, and then spirituality that kind of are similar in a lot of ways like there's a lot of different factors or uh, components of them that kind of would make sense to kind of go hand in hand I guess um but we're not really taught that it's just like they're separate and like I don't know why um but so I think a lot of it's kind of just like exploring yourself and kind of better understanding uh your own beliefs through like experience and different like um, ex- exploration of different perspectives and opinions and everything like you can't just box yourself into one specific ideology per se mm-hmm. all right so um another thing that i wanted to kind of talk about more was uh we connected on instagram and so i really only know of your content that you post on Instagram, but uh-huh. you post a bit about like all these woo-woo, quote woo-woo uh, aspects of like science and spirituality. And so mm-hmm. I kind of want to dive deeper into um, like uh, extrasensory perception and mm-hmm. psychokinesis, because you've talked about those quite a bit. Like how did you kind of, was that, did you find those through research or like how did that happen? And, yeah, and for like- anyone who's listening can kind of explain what those two are sure um and it's something that i'm i'm continuing continuing on um researching into and it's from one of the books that i got so this one is by dean Raiden, real magic ancient wisdom modern science and i i think it's funny that he uses the term magic in terms of psychic phenomenon so his book he's one of the researchers investigating in psychic phenomenon using scientific approaches. And so most of his book is him talking about his research and the statistics that he's finding behind it. And 
so that book really got me interested in it. And to kind of go back on talking about science and spirituality and merging the two together, science is all about the physical, what is tangible, what is observable, what we can see, what we can measure, whereas spirituality is more about the non-physical, the more than human, the consciousness. You know, consciousness is such a, a topic that science are, they're trying to figure out, but it, you can't measure it. It's hard to measure it. We don't have a device that observes consciousness and because it's non-physical. So he brings these two together. And um, so, so when I say psi, psi is a, a short term for psychic phenomenon. And it includes anything that's extrasensory perception. So anything beyond that of our normal five senses. And it's information that can be perceived through telepathy, precognition, clairvoyance, psychokinesis, all of these like science fiction, fantasy kind of things that you, you only see in movies or read about, like are real. This guy, he's done the research to prove that these phenomenons really occur in people. And so he, he talks about all of these things. Um, and most of it, you think when you hear these terms like telepathy, you kind of think of it having to do with the mind, like mind reading, mind to mind interaction. But really all of these occurrences involve two things. One is your intention. And the second is your attention. So when you focus on something and you set an intention to it, it creates these occurrent occurrences, these phenomenons. And we already know through quantum physics that uh, particle entanglement, quantum entanglement is real. Like once particles come together and they in intertwine, they are always gonna be connected no matter how far apart they are. They can always um, receive and transfer information across the field. So in, I think it was 2016, Chinese scientists were able to teleport particles, photons, 160 miles apart. And they saw that the interaction between the two happens sim simultaneously. And so we, we know that that happens. So why can that not happen between human and human or human and animals, this transfer of information? And so that's some of the stuff that he looked, at, looked on. And what's really cool is that we actually, we all have this ability. You don't have to be special to be able to practice telepathic communication or to have psychic abilities, uh, premonitions. I, we've all have had, well, majority of the population have had these types of experiences. And like one of the most popular one is, um, it's a phenomenon called scopesthesia. Scope meaning <clears throat> to look at, aesthesia meaning to perceive from a distance. So the common term is to, is the sense of being stared at. So if anybody has ever felt like somebody was looking at them and they, they turn around or they look around and they see somebody staring at them, 
that is one of these phenomenons and it's happened to 95% of the population. <laughs> um, and so it has to do like somebody is setting their attention on you and you can feel that and you, you can sense it because we're, we're all made of energy. We all have vibration. And so we can pick up on these types of vibrations. Um, so I found that really interesting and that uh, even it's so well known that detective work and personal investigators, they know about this when they are watching somebody or looking into somebody, they know not to just stare at them or set their focus on them because the person that they're watching is going to be able to sense that. Um, and then like telepathy Telepathy is probably another really common one that people aren't really aware of, but it does happen in small occurrences. So like say you, you randomly think about somebody, somebody that you haven't seen or talked to in a really long time. And that day or maybe the next day they reach out to you or they call you and you're like, oh my goodness, I was literally just thinking about you. Mm. Um, that's a, it's called telephone telepathy. It, I mean, it's one of these occurrences that happen. These people, the people that you're thinking about, they can pick up on it. And then they're like, oh, you know what? I haven't talked to so-and-so in a while. I think I should call him. And so there's this connection that occurs and it can also be seen. It's been studied in, in wildlife as well. So if you take wolf packs, it's, it's been shown there's wolf packs up in Canada where the, the way that they work, they're very family oriented. And so the majority of the pack, when it's time to go hunt, they'll all leave and they can be up to 20 miles away from the den. And if they have pups, they always designate, there's always a designated babysitter. One to two babysitters where a grown uh, wolf will stay with the, the young pups to watch over them while the, the rest of the uh, pack goes to hunt. And so they were able to observe and see that if something were to happen to the den, something stressful, the pack that was out hunting that could have been up to 20 miles away could sense it. And there's no way that they would have been able to hear it or smell anything, but they knew something was going on and they would stop the hunt and they would go back to the den. So I just, I find this super, super interesting and um, which has made me look into all this even more and to know that the majority of the population has experienced these types of phenomenon, but just shrug it off or play it off. I was like, oh, well, that's coincidental or that's funny, ha ha. But there, it, there's just a deeper underlying connection that's going on. Yeah, exactly. I think that because almost everybody can relate to just having that weird feeling that someone's just like looking at you, staring at you. But like, you don't actually, or like, even me, I've never taken the time to kind of understand like why that is like, oh, how is it that I feel that someone's just looking at me or like, with uh, like a lot of people have probably experienced um, like the telephone telepathy where like you're, you're thinking of someone and then they happen to call you or text you like like a couple hours later. And like like you were saying, like we just shrug it off as like, oh, 
that must be just some coincidence. But I think most people just don't realize how how actually powerful the mind and the are like our bodies are. Like we're the most complex and like intricate systems in the universe, I'd say. And like I think that's kind of a disconnect between us and like understanding our full power and potential as human beings. And I think once people start to kind of better understand like what they can do, like their mind body is like, that's going to change a lot of things in uh, a lot of ways. But like going back to that, did you kind of learn first about it in biology and like wolves, like you're talking about since you are, um, scientists, biologists, or did you start to research the human aspects of it first? Like which one came first? Yeah, uh, both. I came across the research of the animals in my research of psychic phenomenon. And Rupert Sheldrake, he's another one that does a lot of the research and his main focus is on animals. And he has his several books on that, talking about his research and, um, one of one of the books he has is called uh, Dogs That Know When Their Owners Are Coming Home. And I actually participated in one of his webinars a couple weekends ago, and he was showing a time lapse on one of the owner's dogs where he would he'd have a camera at the house and the owner would leave the house and would go do whatever it was and they would make it to where um, nobody at the house including the dog obviously knew where she was what she was doing when she was going to come back how she was going to come back she would come back several different ways whether it was walking a different vehicle a bus a taxi and so they were looking at the dog's response in relation to when the owner decided she was going to come home and it was sometimes within seconds, sometimes within minutes, the dog would get up from its bed or its sleeping area and go straight to the window or straight to the door to wait for her. And in this time lapse, they're, they're videoing the dog and they're videoing the owner. And as soon as the owner was like, okay, I think I'm going to go home now. I would say within 30 seconds to a minute, the dog would like kind of perk up and go sit by the window because wow. she was setting the intention that she's going home now. And the dog would then go and wait for her because it knew that she was going to be arriving soon. And so it's just another form of tel telepathic communication and having this deeper connection. And what I've also found is that you we as humans can have a better connection in this area with, with our pets. So for example, I have a dog that's 10 years old. I've had her since she was about eight months old and I've had so many of these types of experiences with her. And I'm sure a lot of other people have had them with their pets as well. And they, again, you know, you don't really think anything to it. Or I, I've also heard this of, I swear my dog knows what I'm saying. I swear he knows English or, you know, whatever language you're speaking. I, I swear he knows exactly what I'm saying. And even though you've never taught the dog what these words are, it still seems to know what it is that you mean or what you're saying. And it, 
and it goes to that. It's not that he knows the, the language. It's that he knows your intention. You're setting the intention and they can pick up on that. Animals are super sensitive to these types of occurrences and they're just so much more connected. They're so much more in the present than we are. We have so many distractions going on around us. And a lot of times we're not even aware that we have this ability that we can tap into. And so I think the the human animal connections occurs a lot more frequently probably than human to humans. <laughs> that's really interesting. Um, that's uh, what I was going to say. Oh, it's also interesting because a lot of different animals can have, like, they can either see or hear a lot of the uh, frequencies that humans can't. And I wonder if that plays like a part into like having some sense of heightened awareness to like these, uh, like knowing that your owner, the dog's owner is going to come home. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you think like that plays into it? Just like having kind of, I don't know how to describe it, but like dogs can hear frequencies that humans can't like they're very um like per or susceptive to high pitches and so mm-hmm. like i wonder if that plays into it at all just like having these kind of tapping into these different frequencies mm-hmm. in some aspect i don't i i see i hear what you're saying but i don't think that is necessarily the case because in these types of research and um, investigations, they made sure to eliminate that as being a reason. They made sure to eliminate the dog. There was no way the dog could hear her. There's no way the dog could smell or even in the wolf packs. There's no way they could have been able to use their extra, their five ordinary senses, which means there's something deeper going on. And um, is, is what they're finding is that the closer and more intimate the relationship is, the better the communication is. So um, if you have a pet that you're really close with, the the connection is a lot stronger. If you have an intimate partner that you've spent a lot of years with, the the connection is, is very well established versus like you and I, this is kind of the first time we met. We don't really know each other. If we try to have this type of interaction, it's not going to be as um, exact or um, just a better connection. It, It takes time to develop the relationship with somebody. And I think it has to do with this type of entanglement with each other's energies. And I think, I think that's more or less the underlying issue of how, how it can play out. That definitely makes sense. And it's also like a lot of people listening to this are probably like, I mean, we've always been told or we don't, we never learn about like telekinesis or like uh, clairvoyance, for example, like, oh, that's just sci-fi. That's just a movie. Like, like people, a lot of people probably listening are like, oh, that's just crazy. But it's especially interesting when you put it into the um, scenario of like nature, how different animals can kind of pick up on it a lot better than humans can because I think if it's just humans like saying, oh, let's say us two are telepathic or telepathically communicating, like people would be like, oh, that's crazy. But when you have an actual instance like studied scientifically of in nature, this occurring that puts things into a much bigger perspective, I think. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Or even like precognition. So have you ever had or premonition of just a thought, a vision, a dream of something happening and then it actually happened? Yeah. Then you play it off. You're like, oh, well, that's that was a coincidence. Oh, that's that's weird. That's crazy. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people have experienced that. Like they have they'll have like a very uh, strangely specific, like weird dream. And they're like, oh, why is this? Like, that was weird. And then kind of it has a much deeper like underlying um, meaning to it, kind of like precognition in a sense. Mm hmm. Yeah. And so they do happen. They do occur. It's just that the way we've been brought up or the way that we've been taught is like if we were to accept it or talk about it or work with it then we'd be classified as crazy or yeah. <laughs> psycho or something, you know, but it's a naturally occurring ability that happens to the majority of us, whether we realize it or accept it or not. And so I think that's what really sparks my interest is we need to talk about this. We need to discuss this more. We need to get it out there. Yeah. And, and like, why aren't people talking about it? Why is it being shunned in a sense? Um, ridiculed, talked about as pseudoscience and woo woo. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think for so long, like we've just been like, science has been only the physical phenomenon. Like you can measure, I don't know how fast a car moves or, whatnot like stuff like that and so I think because that people are kind of even though they're kind of sensing that there's a lot more non-physical aspects like these uh like phenomenon that we were just talking about like they're kind of scared to like come out and be like oh there's something more to it just because like for so long we've been taught that science is only like the physical but mm -hmm. also another aspect of it is like pretty much everybody I feel like has had this gut instinct at one point or another in their life like they've just felt like something is like they should do something or something is wrong and they, there's like just a gut feeling and they like right. maybe they follow up maybe they don't but I think that gut instinct is kind of in a sense how um like our mind and our body kind kind of like uses these uh phenomenon as like a way to kind of point you in the right direction in a sense and I think there's a lot more underlying to just that gut instinct than just like a strange feeling that we're like, oh, that's nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, your intuition. I, I've always said your intuition is there for a reason. Listen to it. Yeah. And that is something I have really worked on and have really developed because I do believe that. And it's proven to be true for me, but I know that it's true for everybody else. And when you shut it down, when you play it off as, oh, that was a crazy coincidence, oh, but it, I don't think it's true. I don't think that could happen again. Or, you know, you just close it off or push it aside. You are then shutting down that ability. And so to be able to work with it and to open it up is to, when these things happen, be aware of it, acknowledge it, and know that it it's an ability that you can have and that you can tap into. And the more you open yourself up to that and the more you bring awareness to it, the stronger that you were, it's like working a muscle, the more you use it and the more you bring awareness to it, the, the more it's, it's going to happen for you. <laughs> yeah. 
definitely it's like because I, I know especially in the past on the times that I didn't listen to it and I try to close it off or push it aside it's like you end up regretting it most exactly of the time. <laughs> yeah I, I feel like most people can relate to like having the choice to do something or not do something or whatever it is two choices and they'll just have this gut feeling this intuition and they don't follow it and then like that ends up being the the not right choice mm-hmm. and so yeah I think more people should listen to your intuition listen to your gut when you have those feelings come up because mm-hmm. I also I remember seeing at one point that like your gut like the lining of your like stomach I don't know if it's exactly stomach but it has way more electrical uh like I don't know how to explain it but it has some sort of like way more electrical sense like sensory signals than your mind or something like that and I think that probably plays some aspect to it because a lot of people don't realize how our bodies and our minds are made up of like energy and this these just where we have this electrical system running throughout our entire bodies and I don't think people take people just take that for granted and like be like oh that's just part of being human which I mean it is but also like when you have like literally energy running through every aspect of your body like you're gonna pick up on a lot of different things like energy is made up of or everything's made up of energy like nature just the whole world universe and so um when like yeah you can I think the human body can just pick up on a lot of different a lot more things than like people realize and they kind of just take for granted yeah yeah absolutely and that's probably with the lining the electrical lining or whatever you're talking about in the stomach would that's why you would feel the sensation there, yeah. like gut feeling when you say gut feeling that would make sense I I didn't know that I haven't looked at that I'll, yeah I'll definitely have to uh look at that again because I just remember seeing that at one point it's been a while though so I'll for anyone listening I'll try to do more research on that maybe leave a link <laughs> or something so um another uh shoot what's it called the extra just the phenomenon that I'm interested in and probably a lot of other people are is clairvoyance because I remember have you ever watched America's Got Talent Mm -hmm. did you like there were the clairvoyance on it a couple years ago I remember watching that I'm just like how how do they do that like and so I don't know how much you've studied clairvoyance or done research on it but could you explain that a little bit to the audience and kind of how that um if there's any aspects of that in like nature, like there are with the other phenomena we talked about. Okay. So um, clairvoyance or another term is remote viewing. It is receiving information from a distance. And so what I found in my research is that the U S government is actually using this as part of their intelligent work. And that they were actually funded um, $20 million to research this and get people in the program to try to like, um, for an example, say they get somebody and they're trying to 
visualize a target in like terrorist, terrorist territory or something. Maybe there's an explosive somewhere and their only job is to visualize and locate where this target is. And just as a training kind of thing to, to see how well they do. And I, I think it was like within 80%, they had an 80% success rate of, they didn't have any information, just locate this target. Where is it? What does it look like? And they were able to locate the, the location, what it looks like, the type of building. And so um, I found that to be super interesting. And then also in detective work where there's an ongoing case that they're having trouble solving, they will either hire a, a psychic to come in and try to help them out. And a lot of the times these these psychic people are able to come in and give them the exact information that they need to solve this case. And so th this is just some of the things that they're looking into and researching is like, okay, well, this is clearly a thing. We know that it's a thing, but how does it work? Like yeah. what's going on? And so that's kind of like the, the block at, in the, the current, like where we are is we, we're at the point where we accept it. We know that it happens. We know that it occurs, but we still don't really understand how, what's going on. And I think until science can really figure that out, then it, it, it'll become maybe more aware for the public or more available kind of thing. Um, yeah, I so, remember, I remember uh, Nikola Tesla has a quote that's something like the moment science begins to study like the non-physical aspects of science will make more progress in like a year than we have the entire like past century or something like that and like i think that's actually true because we're just starting to kind of be on the cusp of doing research and like exploring more the non-physical phenomena like these uh phenomena we've been talking about because we all kind of have had a sense that these things are actually occurring like our bodies can kind of our bodies and minds can kind of do a lot more things that we actually kind of learned throughout like uh, growing up and so i think it's def it's also definitely interesting how the us when the us government uh puts millions of dollars into some sort of research on this you know it's there's a lot more to it exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that the the statistics of it with such a high percentage of a hit rate or a success rate is also is like what's kind of encouraged them even more to investigate into it and dump more money into it. And um, like in this book, The Real, Real Magic, some of his statistics on these are like millions to one against chance. So it's no longer just a 25% chance, a 50-50 chance. It's millions to one against chance. Like the, the statistics of the success of these happening is just like, it's off the charts. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible when you, especially when you put it into like those statistics where it's mm -hmm. like million to one trillion to, there's just these crazy numbers that are hard to fathom, but mm -hmm. like, then you can pinpoint it exactly. That's pretty incredible. This is, a, this is a bit of a random question about clairvoyance that my roommates and I were for some reason talking about the other day, but if you were clairvoyance, like if you could like sense 
things that uh, just things around you that would you tell people that you're clairvoyant at all? Or would you just be like, I'm going to use this for my own benefit? <laughs> I know. See, that's 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 the problem. People don't want to talk about it because they're scared. They're scared to express themselves or scared to, to have a, a negative reaction of uh, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and I really think that that is where we are also in moving forward um, when it comes to science and new innovations, it, it goes through this process. And in this process, it's, you gotta, you gotta have the scientific proof. You gotta have the experiments and the proof of it occurring. But then you get to the point of, you gotta make it acceptable. You gotta make it available for the public. And in doing that, it, it involves us talking about it and expressing it and normalizing it. And then it can become more accepted. Um, but because it's so controversial, everybody's scared to discuss it. So for me personally, I have just a few in my circle that I talk about these things too. Um, you know, I have the platform of Instagram where I put out the statistics and the information, but I don't just go around talking about my experiences yeah. <laughs> to anyone and everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, have you had any, like, on, on this topic, same, same topic, have you had any of these experiences yourself where you're like, whoa, I think I just had like this, I don't know, just this strange phenomena that I can't tell, but now that you've been researching this a bit, have you, can you kind of like pinpoint what it was? Like, have you had any such experiences? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Like probably all of these. Um, one interesting one I'll, I'll, I can tell you is when I was a child, I, in my bedroom, I always, I would wake up, I was probably like 12, 13 years old. I would wake up in the middle of the night and I thought the house was on fire. I thought I could smell smoke. I thought I would see a glare, like a flame of light glowing. I would open my door cautiously, like look out to see if anything was happening. And this was a reoccurring thing for, I would say close to a year. Waking up thinking the house was on fire. I smelled smoke. I'd be terrified, and, especially as a young, young kid. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I told my mom about it one time because it was happening so often I told her and she was like well it's probably just your hormones you know you're you're preteen you're changing your body's changing it's just hormonal it's, don't worry about it and but then later I found out that there was actually a fire in my bedroom before we had that house and in my closet it was in my bedroom closet it had caught fire and so like somehow I was picking up on that energy, that ex past experience that occurred. And when I found that out, I was just like, whoa. <laughs> wow. Mm -hmm. Especially from such a young age. Cause I know like, I feel like I've heard stories about different, like when you're young, younger and like a child, they kind of have more of a, in a way, like a heightened sense of awareness, they can kind of pick up on a lot more things. So that's interesting kind of how um, 
you had that experience when you were like pretty young still. I have one other story I can share where um, maybe it'll, it'll shed some light on people talking about these things or bringing, mentioning things, bringing awareness to it. Mm-hmm. When I was in my 20s, I was at a friend's house and I just kind of had this eerie sensation that there was some kind of spiritual entity in the house. Didn't, couldn't pinpoint it. I didn't know if it was real or not, but I could just sense it. And as the night went on, there was a big gathering going on. We're all just kind of sitting around chilling and somebody else just randomly was like, Hey dude, is your house haunted? And immediately I jumped in and two other people jumped in and were like, yeah, I think there's something here. We can feel it. We can sense it. And then the owner, my friend, the owner of the house, he's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure my house is haunted. Wow. <laughs> it's- and so it just takes that, like, you're not the, you're not always going to be the only one who yeah. thinks or sees or feels these things. But if you just get the courage to say something, you're opening up, chances are other people are going to have some story to tell you as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's really interesting how multiple people like thought the same thing too. It's just, I think it's, it's a lot easier to kind of talk about these things and like, ha- you, like you said, have the courage to come forward about them once, like there's more people. Cause we all kind of, like at times we all kind of feel that something's off or something uh, doesn't seem right, whatever it may be. Like, I feel like more people than we realize have those sort of feelings. It's just the, having the, like taking the courage to, step forward and say something about it because mm-hmm. then that kind of starts the conversation more mm-hmm. about it yeah exactly <laughs> wow okay so how do you okay i guess one final question um but since you are still a biologist and like in the scientific scientific field how do you kind of during your day-to-day job like with all this spiritual knowledge and then all this science knowledge that you use in your in your job do you do they kind of like i guess what i'm asking is like does your job kind of ever get tiring in a sense that you know all these spiritual things that like there's more to a lot of different science than we've been taught or do you kind of like do you ever use your spiritual knowledge during your biology job i see um Yes, let me let me see if this answers your question. So I've I've actually been playing around a lot with it in that um, working with my intuition and tapping into that like spiritual side of things. Because a lot of the days I'm out there, I'm working by myself. And so when I for instance, when I'm taking these measurements. I, I like to play the guessing game with myself of guessing how big the diameter of this tree is. And I'll go up to it and I'll just kind of like sink in with it or just visualize it and I, like a number will come to me. And then I'll wrap my tape and get a, the diameter and the number is exactly what came to my mind. <laughs> and so that's just my own way of kind of working with it and strengthening it and I just think it's fun yeah <laughs> it's, it's like a it's like a game <laughs> it is a game I like to think of it as a game and I, that's I think why it makes it so much more fun does that answer your question that does, yeah. <laughs> that does sound fun like trying to kind of test your limits in a sense to like 
now that you have all this knowledge on like these different things and abilities that like our bodies and mind, our minds can do, like, especially when you're out there alone, you gotta <laughs> do something fun with it <laughs> Can't mm-hmm. be just by yourself. Cool. Yeah. Um, did you want to add any, talk about anything else, add anything? all right one final question that i'm planning on asking everybody who i have on my podcast since this is the dream chasers podcast what is your dream in life my dream in life i'm living it man (laughs) good answer (laughs) Um, my dream is to just be able to work outside work in nature um evolve and to continue to grow, not be stagnant and stationary. And yeah, I feel like I'm living the dream. <laughs> that's that's honestly the best when you can say you're living the dream. There's nothing better. I'm yeah. still a bit on the younger side, so I've got a, a bit of a ways to go. <laughs> um, Start so, now. Exactly. Start making those goals. <laughs> so for the listeners, where can uh, people find you and your work right now. I know you talked about it a little bit earlier, but I'll leave some links um, down below in the podcast description, but where can you currently and in the future find your work and what you do? So you can find me on Instagram at spiritual biologist. And I have a Facebook page called the alchemy of science and spirituality. And I'm sure by the time this gets put up, I'll have my website up also called Alchemy of Science and Spirituality. And then YouTube is currently in the works, uh, also the Alchemy of Science and Spirituality. So spiritual biologists on Instagram, everything else is the Alchemy of Science and Spirituality. Awesome. Got a lot of things in the works. That's exciting. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Katie, for being on here. I had a blast talking to you. Um, and thank you everybody who's listening and I'll catch you on the next one.